Welcome back to the Women Who Wow podcast on Zebra's Your Edge channel. I'm Julie Johnson, and today we're putting the spotlight on Jenny Krummenacher, a director of channel sales at Zebra. Why Jenny? Well, with so much focus today on macroeconomic concerns, normalization of e-commerce following COVID, supply chain whiplash, consumer confidence, enterprise technology spend, companies' financial performance, and our favorite sales out metric, um, I thought it would be interesting to speak with one of our key sales leaders in our North America channel business, arguably Zebra's most important business channel that we have. Jenny meets with our channel partners and end customers on a daily basis. And if anyone would have a ground level view of what is really happening in the market, some strategies for building strong business relationships in a time where trust seems to be eroding, and how to achieve optimal business performance, Jenny would be that person with a great source of information. Jenny's been named one of CRN's 2023 Women of the Channel, which is obviously a great honor for Jenny and clearly for we at Zebra are super fortunate to have her as one of our key sales leaders. Jenny claims that she has two simple that enable her superpower, humor and grit. I personally love these traits as I do believe humor makes us human. It makes us relatable while grit and hard work always pay off and build personal credibility. On top of that, Jenny's done a few things in her career that some may say are unconventional, but I completely admire. Things that have taken tremendous courage, both as a professional and as a human being. So Jenny, I'd like to start by talking about what it is you do as a director of channel sales, because it is different than other sales roles people may be familiar with, um, who meet with like one or two customers on a day-to-day basis. About 80% of Zebra sales go through the channel. So obviously it's paramount to Zebra's continued success. Can you shed some light on the role that channel partners play here at Zebra? Sure. Yeah, I think that the the, the statistics around our business from a channel-led business to a direct-led business is really staggering. I mean, we are over 80% of our sales go through our channel partner and our partners are energizing the market for us. They they collectively have a bandwidth that Zebra doesn't have. They have a a reach into our end user community that that Zebra might not have as well. And they have these relationships and and they could be, you know, vertically uh, focused partners. They could be horizontally focused where they sell print and, you know, and, and supplies. They could be selling specifically into manufacturing. So they have these relationships that are very key and they, uh, most of our top partners ride side by side with Zebra. They do what Zebra does. They want to know how they can partner closer. Um, and really, our channel account managers are ultimately responsible for this relationship with these amazing partners. And they help them with marketing and driving Zebra resources and engineering and different things. So our, our partner community really is the breadth to get to the end user base in verticals, in niche markets, um, and, and they really lead, our top partners all lead with Zebra. So, I but I often hear that our channel is unique and we're apparently different than some of our competitors. What, what do people mean by that? Um, and are, is our channel model different than other tech companies? You know, yeah. um, 
how how do most companies in general set up and leverage their channels? Can, can you kind of explain how what what differentiates us? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, a lot of tech companies don't start out with a channel model. They're small, right? And they want to go straight to the end user and they want to sell that deal and then they sell another. And then they get to the point where they might have products, solutions that they can't scale. So a channel community helps you scale your products and your solutions. And that's really the uniqueness of what Zebra is about because our, you know, first of all, our community, our partner community has been with us for over 25 years through several acquisitions and mergers and all the things, right? And we've gained some new partners along those acquisitions that we didn't necessarily have before. But the, the, the way that other tech companies start is basically end user sales. And then they figure out they've got to do a, a, a channel to get breadth. Zebra's always been a channel. We've always pushed our solutions, our hardware, our software, our service through the channel community. So that's one big difference. The other big difference is some of our more direct competitors, they don't live in an integrity space like we do. If there is a, a deal that they think they might lose, they will cut the channel partner out of it to save, if you will, on margin, perhaps. That creates a real animosity, a real challenge in the in the partner community. And then we, we have other areas where we've dove into in, um, adjacent markets where we've either built our own products and or acquired a product where the competitors in those markets have really taken and shaved off the bottom 80% of their channel partners. And so those channel partners are coming to Zebra saying, I can't buy this product anymore. Thank you for acquiring this other technology. Can I be a partner of yours? So Zebra has a world-renowned and awarded partner program. And we live our Zebra values with our partners, integrity, teamwork, agility, accountability, and then we innovate with our partners. Okay, so okay, so I get I guess a lot of it is is the the relationships and um not cutting them out of deals and being thick and thin true. And I guess that that's what I'm hearing from you. Mm -hmm. Are there mm -hmm. any any um examples you can give of things we've done from the innovation and other um types of projects that you think was unique with what we've done? Well, I think there's two areas, Julie. I think the first one is we innovate with our partners. So we offer up two or three different areas where they can innovate with us. We have a, um, a program where they can run their software through all of our hardware to make sure that it's compatible so they can partner with us that way. They can partner with us on new products where they take it to the end users and we walk through what should we change? What should we enhance? What should we focus more on? So we've got that piece of it as well. Um, you know, but ultimately, I think that the the reason they partner with Zebra over others is because you're right. It's about the relationships and the longstanding people we've had here at Zebra as well. Okay, great. So um, the next question is always kind of a fun one to ask. Um, what what really is going on in our channel today? You know, we everyone's talking about sales out and health of the market. Just kind of wanted to get your view. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. I just had a conversation earlier today with one of our top partners, uh, and I met with another top partner last week. And and really, it's as Zebra goes, our partner community goes. And what we're hearing is them bouncing off like, hey, we're not hearing of deals pushing or excuse me, canceling. We're hearing of deals pushing. 
we're hearing of large projects getting cut up into bite-sized pieces. So instead of the partner and end user saying, we're going to buy 10,000 of these and roll them out in the next 30 days, they're saying, we're going to buy a thousand at a time and roll out that way. And that, you know, the CapEx versus OpEx budget is a, is a, it's an animal right now. You know, do they want to do an as a service model? Do they want to go full leasing? Do they want to buy the products outright? So what we're hearing in the channel is that the business is still there in all vertical markets. It's just not necessarily in these large chunky POs as it used to be. Does that make sense? Yep. 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 Yeah. So what can companies do to ensure they don't lose share of wallet during these times? And, um, you know, do we believe um, they have opportunities to gain customer preference and loyalty? Um, yeah. do, do business leaders need to modify behaviors or make changes to offerings? Um, you know, what, what's the sentiment on the street in that respect? Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's when, when business is great, people sometimes perhaps forget to do day-to-day -day work. Um, they forget to touch base with the end user. They forget to really, you know, have that deep level conversation. They stop thinking outside of the box, perhaps. But in today's world, we can't do that. Uh, in today's world, the partners really, they're getting back to the basics with customers. And I'll, I'll equate this back to my very first sales job when, we, you know, we're all in a bullpen and we're dialing for dollars. So some of the things that we've been doing with our partners um, in the last, let's say, 60 to 90 days to maybe churn up some of that run rate, some of that business that maybe is just outside of those huge projects is we've been doing blitz days. Think back to the time when we used to do blitz days and it was fun. So we bring everybody into the office and we do a two hour blitz day and we buy lists of end users and we use their list and we look at end users they maybe purchased, you know, six and seven years ago and how can we help them with a refresh or adding on to their current fleet. And, and then we have a big fun lunch and we give out prizes and, you know, a zebra backpack or a $50 gift card. So some of that um, sentiment on the street is help us create some energy around getting back to the basics and it's working. And so we're seeing our end users say, maybe I don't need, you know, maybe this project isn't this big, but maybe another end user is like, I need 40 units. Well, every one of us will take 40 units all day long. So those are some of the things we're trying to just energize the, the partners and create some fun around it. I would think that also energize the sales teams, like pulling them in together and kind of having that type of, you know, competitiveness, even internal, what, what other things can, are you doing to make sure your sales teams stay motivated and fresh and, you know, driving for growth during, you know, where the typical things may not work? Yeah, it's a good question, Julie. I think the big thing is making sure people feel welcome and wanted, right? If you think about what we had to go through in COVID, nobody could come into the office and whatnot. And our office policies have all changed. It doesn't matter what industry, it doesn't matter what size company, there's a new way to come to the office. It's not five days a week. It's not eight hours a day. And so capitalizing on getting everybody in and showing them that benefit of that camaraderie in the office and then going after, you know, end user business is, is really, it's been, um, it's been great. The other thing we've done is we've really engaged with our marketing teams here at Zebra. So we have all sorts of fantastic marketing efforts that we can do and we can utilize. A lot of it really is free marketing to our partners to go 
maybe do some email campaign or some drip marketing or put together a webinar around why, you know, moving to the latest version of one of our software, you know, that type of thing. Also, our marketing team has just been incredibly helpful to help ideas with, you know, coming up with new ideas. They're, they're very, very creative. So, so Jenny, like even the way you responded to this past question, whenever I um, interact with you, you always are like tons of energy, optimistic, always excited, have an idea. Like, what is it about this role that, that you enjoy so much? Uh, well, you know, I, this is sound really silly, but I, I love people and I love all, I love to connect and collaborate. Um, you know, I've got a very interesting work path in, in history. And so I've had to work with people that don't necessarily, they're not in extroverts, they're introverts. I'm definitely an extrovert. I've had to work with people that is, you know, they're, they don't have an optimistic view of life like I do. And so you just, you kind of just learn to embrace all different types of people. And I mean, I, I don't know, I think it's funny. I, I People are like, my brother... <laughs> My brother would say that I am like the, um, I have more energy than I could ever, ever use. And I do feel that way. I feel that way in my personal life as well as work. And, you know, there's some things that I just tell my team, my team can tell when I'm down. It's pretty easy to tell when I'm down, but it's so infrequent because I always want to find something good about something. I always want to find the silver lining and I'm not like, you know, I hope I'm not super cheesy that way, <laughs> but I definitely have, a, a brand about me that says like this we can get through this too. That's kind of where I am at. You know, we can get through this if we need to, right? Yep. Yep. Keep the train moving. So, yeah. um, so as I said before, um, you know, you, you've noted that you really thrive um, on your um, strength and grit and humor and how it's kind of become your own personal brand. Um, can you tell us more about how you use grit and humor and, and why this mantra works for you? Yeah, sure. Um, I I was an athlete growing up. Any sport that was offered, I was playing, and I was good at some and not good at others, but I was still trying. And I think you know, my dad used to have this um, saying, and he would he would put it on in whatever jersey we were wearing, whether it was a hockey jersey, a baseball jersey, soccer jersey, and it said "can't" is a cuss word, which I just love. I love that message that don't say "can't," it's a cuss word, and we weren't allowed to curse in our family. Um, and so, you know, the grit is instilled early on from mainly my dad, but really truly with a, you can do anything, even if you're not doing it to, you know, hundred percent, you can do it. Just find the great. And the humor of it is, and then laugh at yourself when you don't accomplish something, don't beat yourself up, have humor in that. And so from a very young age, we tried everything. My brother and I tried every sport and every musical instrument and every every and then we got to laugh at ourselves when you know my brother was playing the recorder and, and it was like blowing you know making our ears bleed you know so I think we just I grew up with that type of a, a mantra and I've carried it into my um, personal and my work life it, it works for me I think and today's struggles Julie I mean think about what's going on in the world today whether it's business or it's political or it's wars or it's just yeah it's, it's heavy. We have a heavy space to live in. And, and how do you make sure that that doesn't bring you down? And again, it's add humor when you can, and it's appropriate and always find your grit. Yeah. And I, and I feel it makes you feel more genuine and more 
uh, less of a robot. So I, I totally (laughs) agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very easy to get in robot mode. Um, (laughs) So let's, let's talk more about your path to this point in life. And because you've had a somewhat unconventional chronology um, of career and education, um, but it's clearly totally worked for you. And, um, you know, you've taken on different roles over time. Was that intentional? Um, would kind of love to hear that whole story. Yeah, it is. It is. But, you know, I just did a, a chat with one of our largest partners. They had over 300 people on a call last week. Um, and they asked me what my journey was. And I created this big, like, winding road picture. <laughs> and I did my entire journey with memes because that's really what it is. So um, I actually, this is, I'm going to start way back when. I skipped third grade um, because I was in such a small school that second grade and third grade were in the same room. I did my second grade work. I did the third grade work. So they moved me from really second to fourth grade. So when I graduated and was off to college, I was barely 17. And I was a college athlete and um, not mature enough to make good decisions going off to college at 17. But that wasn't why I ended up with an injury, which I lost my scholarship. And I didn't have the wherewithal from a financial perspective to keep going to school. So I went into the workforce. And from there, it was back to find your grit, figure out whatever this job is that you're doing, do it to the best of your ability and learn about the jobs that are adjacent to you. Right. And so I kind of was pulled from one job to another by these amazing leaders in my life. And they believed in my character and they believed in my ability to get it done. So really it's, you know, the journey is I started out in bullpen sales and then one day the, the owner of the company came in and he looked around the bullpen of 50 people and he said, where are the women? And two of us kind of raised our hand and he points at me and he said, you're, new, you're the new manager, go into the corner office type of thing. And it, <laughs> ultimately it was because they had an EEOC issue, but that was like your first foray into leadership was me immediately within two minutes leading my peers that I had been working with. Um, and from there I was pulled into a committee and then the person that was the global leader of that committee moved to another company. He pulled me along with him. Like, it's just kind of one of those things, right? My actual, so I went into sales operations, purchasing inventory, um, new builds, and then I managed IT teams from, um, ERP systems to data closets, to special projects. And I think people just kept pulling me along. And it was, it's not like I went from company to company to company to company. The last company I was with, I was there for almost a dozen years. And then I've been with Motorola Zebra now for um, 13 years. So it's it's kind of a matter of people seeing that I'm going to put all my effort in and and it's going to work. I I don't like to fail. I, I can't really say that I have had a big failure in my career yet. I knock on wood, I don't plan on it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, being a fixer coming into a department and fixing things that were wrong or setting up a process was it. And so when I came to Motorola, I was an executive leader by that time at my previous company and they were Motorola's largest two-way radio partner. And so the executive leaders at Motorola heard that I was leaving their largest partner and I had a couple of offers to stay in that IT space, but really the ultimate goal was to move back to my home state with my family of Michigan. And so the Motorola team leaders called me and said, we really need you to be in channel sales. And I thought, whew, 
sales, channel sales. I don't even know what that is, right? <laughs> so I, I ultimately took that job. And that's kind of what got me here was um, getting into an individual contributor role which was good at the time because I had been leading a team, you know, multiple teams, about 140 total people. And, and I took a step back to kind of relearn a new trade for me, which was channel sales and understanding how the channel community operates. What are their, you know, their black and their red lines on their, their um, P&L statements. So how do, how do they make money? So all of that. So that, that really is the journey. And I will say, you know, I started with, I didn't finish my degree and I've worked for one of our leaders, he's a vice president of channels, Mike Magato, for about nine years now, best leader I've ever worked for. And he kept pushing me to go back and get my degree. Jenny, you've got places to go. You got you really need to go get that piece of paper. And so during COVID, I decided, well, I'm not traveling right now, so I might as well go do something. So during COVID, I finished up uh, three years of university in about 14 months and got my degree. And so um, that's kind of the grit of finishing it up, right? Started started bad because I lost my scholarship and I couldn't pay for school. And then 50 years old, I, I get my degree. Fun story. That is just such a great story. It makes me love Mark Maghetto even more. That's yeah. so awesome. Um, yeah, but awesome. I just, the thing you got to think about is it's COVID. You're a mom. Mm -hmm. You work full time. Mm -hmm. You can't go to the grocery store and, oh, by the way, you decide to get a college degree while you're doing all that. So perhaps yeah. you didn't watch as much Netflix as the rest of us. Yeah. But, um, that's that's really cool. Um, Thank so, you. So back to, um, you know, this whole conversation about um, individual contributors. And, you know, I every day, even just with my job, you know, I'll have people who, um, you know, if, if I'm a manager or a director and there's a chance for a job where all of a sudden I quote unquote lose my headcount. People go, well, that's a demotion. Well, no, it's not a demotion. You're still mm -hmm. making the same. Your resume is growing. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's something people are really kind of get hung up on it. And um, you know, it obviously worked for you. I just, any, any other thoughts there? Yeah. You know, I believe you said it, you know, for your resume, I call it my toolkit. What, what can I learn in my, in this opportunity or in this new role that I could carry forward or that I could mentor somebody else around, right? So I was looking at it like, how can I, how can I enhance my toolkit of what Jenny brings to the table? Um, having IT operations and sales background is a pretty weird Venn diagram, right? <laughs> like not a lot of people have that background. Um, and I would say, I would encourage people and I have encouraged people is, don't think of it as a step backwards. Think of it as a, you know, another tool in your toolkit. And, you know, in today's world, I really still like four to five years in a role. I don't think you can learn something in one to two years or master something that quickly. And I try to tell people that you're not looking at 20 years in this role. You're looking at four to five years, maybe three to five years. And then you've got one more thing that makes you more marketable. And you might find something that you like even more by stepping sideways or stepping back. You might find something, another track of business or of reward, and maybe it's not financial, that helps you be a better person and enjoy what you're doing even more. So I, I, I constantly encourage people um, to do that. And I will say one thing that Zebra offers, it's so great, is we have a lot of, and I got, have my quote fingers up, although you can't see them, committees. 
So I can be on a resource group. I can be an ally to perhaps, you know, Lunidos or Zad or Win. I can lead one of these resource groups. I can do different things that Zebra allows you to raise your hand as an employee and say, I want to do more. And maybe it's outside of my business scope, but it's going to be rewarding to me as a person. And I'm going to meet new people and I'm going to learn new things. And if people can approach their work that way, maybe even their personal life that way, I think it's a more rewarding life. Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's something people really got to think about. I know for me, my, myself personally, it's been always about, you call it the toolkit, the resume, whatever, but it's mm-hmm. creating a story that, that shows growth and, yeah. and truly personal growth. So I, I, I want to jump back to the piece of paper because I just, I think that's just so awesome, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of how you've lived your life in that respect. One of the comments when we were talking before is like, what drove you, per- obviously having Mike Maghetto kind of push and nudge helped, yeah. but you know, what were some of the other reasons? And you particularly made a comment to me that kind of was eye-opening about, you know, when you were feeling uncomfortable about the crowd. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, it was, I always knew I could do whatever job was in front of me, but I always felt inadequate because I didn't have a degree. And that was something internal. And if you were to ask people, and I think Julia even asked you, did you know I didn't have a degree? And you said, no, like there's not that thought that, oh, she, she hasn't, she's not able to string sentences together. <laughs> there's not that. And so that piece of paper, that, that degree, it, it really was the number one. It was, I completed something that I had always wanted to complete. If nothing more than to check that box and say, I can do it. And I did it. However, I do have aspirations to continue to lead and move up into the Zebra Technologies world. And to do that, I feel like I need that piece of paper. I think Zebra feels I need that degree. Um, It sets a precedence. I like that. Um, But I think the other thing is I was, you know, being in the room and thinking to myself over and over and over, does everybody in here know I don't have a degree? And it just eats at you after a while. And I'll, I'll say two other things about this. Number one is I am now like, I've narrowed it down to where I'm probably going to go get um, working on my grad degree because I found it, it, I didn't find it really hard to get a a degree. It was actually very easy, but I now have interest in thinking to myself, oh, what do I want to do if I retire? I don't want to just retire. And I I have a ways to go for that. But so now I'm kind of thinking forward and well, what if I taught like, you know, organizational leadership or women in leadership? And I'm right here at University of Michigan and they often look for people like me to go teach these classes. And so now I'm looking at that. The other thing is interesting is that after I got the degree and I had very, very few people knew I was doing this, but I did share with a couple of people, two of the people that um, were in, in my, that I've mentored in the past, I told them this, that I didn't have a degree and they were both shocked, but guess what? Neither did they. And so both of them have now gone back to school to get their degree because they see the value in it and they see they both want to move up in the organization. And to do so, what better way than to prove to yourself that you can go do this amazing thing while you're working, while you're parenting, you know, while you're traveling for work. Um, So for me, it's I was able to check that box. I'm really interested in going to grad school. Um, I got to figure that out. But I don't want to be I'm no longer the one in the room and I'm no longer thinking I'm the only one here that doesn't have a degree. I'm no longer feeling inadequate. I actually feel incredibly adequate because I did something that most people haven't done. 
and now I've influenced others too. So that's the ultimate reward is I, I helped others see the reason. Yeah. That's just, just amazing. So, you, you know, and it's so great to see the impact you're making on others. Okay. So, so clearly you're busy <laughs> working, <laughs> now getting your master's. What, what else do you enjoy doing? What do you like to do that kind of either calms your mind or I guess as an extrovert, you need something that energizes you. Um, what, what else do you like to do? Oh my, I like, I am at that. Um, I'm at that stage where I'm like, what, what do I not want to do? So I play every, I still play a lot of sports. I even still do uh, hockey, um, charity hockey things. So I don't get on skates too often, but when I do, it's always going to be for charity. I do a golf. I'm in a league. I pickleball. Um, I tennis, I work out. Um, I don't run, run anymore. My knees don't like me doing that. But um, so from an exercise perspective, that's kind of where I live. But I also um, have started this and this, this was kind of fun. It was we downsized our house and we had all this extra furniture. And this was in um, late 2020, when our son was off at school. And all of his college age friends also were off to school and apartments. And we had all this extra furniture in our house that we weren't going to use in a smaller house. And so I kind of started painting and redoing and donating it to these college age kids. Well, it's become a bigger project now. Now what we do, now I say we, my husband is the, can you please go pick up? Can you help me haul person? But I get furniture, dressers, nightstands, beds. That's the main stuff, uh, kitchen tables. I get these kitchen sets or whatever that are old and a lot of times really gross, Julie, and I redo them. So I refinish it with either paint or new drawers or, you know, new legs on them or whatever. And then I donate them to families that are getting started or had a crisis or are, um, I do a lot of work with our Celine area social services. I also do a lot of work with the women's shelters around this area. Um, so I, I do that. I donate that to them and I just love seeing their faces when they have something new to them that's redone by me. Um, so that's one of the big things that I love and I'm getting more and more into it um, to the point now we have a storage unit, which my husband's very excited about. <laughs> but I find pieces either on the side of the road or at a restore or something that I know somebody would love to have repurposed and look brand new. And so we've got a storage unit of stuff that's kind of in the queue. This weekend, I just finished a six drawer uh, high boy dresser and it's specifically going to a little guy. He's six years old and he was just adopted into a family and it's his like his his piece and he gave me the color he wanted and everything. And so I'll be delivering that this coming weekend to him. Oh, wow. Very, very impressive. Definitely you were uh being more give back, giving more back than I am. So definitely something for me to learn from. Um, I guess, you know, the other thing is just, I, I love, I love to hear about your humor and grit and your every ready, like moving forward. And um, I guess probably the biggest, the, the biggest um, quote I'll take from today is can't um, is a cuss word. And um, I think, I think that's something um, all of us really need to think through and, I just think of a call I was on today. I should have said, can't is a cuss word. <laughs> I, I think that's awesome. I guess, do you have any um, other, you know, um, kind of words of advice for, um, you know, new people coming up um, and those who might feel a little bit not as confident as you definitely, um, you know, give off? Yeah. Um, so I would say 
you know, self-confidence is a lifelong journey. You have to keep working at it. And to do that, it takes new experiences. So every new situation can shake your confidence, but you can master that situation or experience by digging in and doing something. So I've learned to embrace new experiences and push myself to learn new things, to fail, to try again. Um, so I'd recommend that, you know, as a person coming up at Zebra or wherever, raise your hand, do something you haven't done before, join a committee, join a resource group, be an active ally in something. Because ultimately, you know, Julie, you and I need to lift people up and it starts with kindness and compassion, listening, mentoring, um, you know, and we're here to do that for, for anybody. And so I think understanding that self-confidence is a lifelong journey. And just because you might not have been good at that one thing doesn't mean you can't try again or pick something else up and try that. Yep. Good, good notes. Thank you, Jenny, so much for joining us today. Um, besides what a great person you are, I'm so happy um, that you're helping to lead our channel, our channel um, business. As we said, this is absolutely key to our success and, uh, you know, our long-term growth. So thank you for everything you do. We really appreciate it. And we're so lucky you're here at Zebra. I'm so thankful you asked me, Julie, and this has been a great journey with you. And I look forward to our continued partnership in various areas of our business. So thank you, all of you who joined um, Women Who Wow. Again, every single quarter, we meet someone amazing from our zebra family. So again, hope to uh, you all will join in next quarter. Thank you.